Hello and welcome to Tax Yak, a tax bandit podcast. We love yakking about tax, so we've invited a range of tax experts and practitioners to have a chat with us. We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Tax Yak. I'm Michael Bode, a senior tax trainer with Tax Banter and your host of today's podcast. Today, we'll be discussing cryptocurrency and tax, and I'm very glad to be joined by Danny Talwar from Coinly. Danny Talwar, head of tax at Coinly, is a chartered accountant and tax advisor with experience across both European and Australian markets. Danny has experience working with multinational companies in the digital assets and blockchain industry, and is a thought leader on the taxation issues faced by companies and individuals, particularly in light of recent ATO guidance on cryptocurrency. Coinly, that's with a K, K-O-I-N-L-Y, is a simple cryptocurrency tax solution and portfolio tracker. Coinly are building tools to enable the widespread adoption of cryptocurrency by automating the regulatory hurdles of tax compliance and asset tracking. This is going to be a great conversation, but a reminder that the contents are not professional advice and should not be relied on for the purposes of providing advice. If you've been feeling a little bit lost about how to manage the tax implications of cryptocurrency and other digital assets, and I wouldn't be surprised if you were, then Danny is here to help. Danny, thanks for joining me on Tax Yak. Thanks very much. Hang me, Michael. Awesome. It's great that you're here. So, Danny, tell me, what did what got you into cryptocurrency in the first place? Yeah, thanks, Michael. Uh, look, I think like most people and most investors, I got into cryptocurrency in late 2020 and early 2021. Um, it was around the period where a lot of people started talking about it. There was a lot of um, interest and media hype should we say, uh, around cryptocurrencies. Um, and I, I really saw kind of different schools of thought around it. You know, there was a lot of credible um, individuals in the financial space saying, you know, there's no underlying value to cryptocurrency. Um, it's, it's not worth an investment. Um, and, and, you know, I started seeing a different, different school of thought where a lot of people were advocating for cryptocurrencies and digital assets. And you know, before investing myself, I wanted to understand you know, what the underlying technology was, what 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 the asset actually means, and and what it can do in the future. Um, and so I treated my initial, um, I suppose, investments in cryptocurrency as a as a learning process. And I thought, you know, the best way to actually learn about crypto, digital assets, and blockchain. Is is to really just get stuck in and and, and learn by doing. Uh, once I've read a bunch of materials and educated myself, essentially. So, um, yeah, like like most people, I started with a bit of Bitcoin, with a bit of Ethereum. Um, you know, then started trying to understand, you know, what what else is out there, um, NFTs, uh, which I'm sure we'll cover, um, and some DeFi protocols, which is decentralized finance. Um, also, in my professional career, I started working with a lot of multinationals in the cryptocurrency space at the same time, um, and, and that kind of sparked my interest further. So once I started working with them, I found, well, actually, multinational crypto companies want to deal with advisors who actually understand cryptocurrencies, understand how they actually want to make money and what their future goals are. And so I found myself suddenly in this space where uh, we were growing a pipeline of work around the digital asset um, industry. And, you know, further to that, decided it was an area I wanted to jump into full time. And, and that's why I'm here today. 
Yeah, well, so I think that's a good lesson for all of us in many things. Not not just crypto is learning hands-on is often the only way that you're going to to learn. And perhaps it's a message for all of us as accountants when we're talking about a lot of clients that might be involved with digital currency. It's not such of an effort to actually give it a go ourselves. So, yes, uh, certainly applaud you, Danny, for uh, for actually getting your hands dirty and getting involved. But um, sounds like you've been enjoying it. So, what is what is cryptocurrency and NFTs and some of these these different um, words that you're using. Uh, what are these things? What are, what are we talking about here? Yeah, I think a great starting point is just to cover cryptocurrency in general, and you know, aware that there's going to be a range of um, uh, understandings for the listeners on this podcast. And so, if we just dial it down to to the basics initially, you can think of cryptocurrencies like regular currencies, like the Australian dollars we hold. You know, traditionally we hold banknotes, um, and you know, it's been described to me in the past where if you look at a banknote, it will have a serial number on it. Now that serial number has um, information on when that banknote was minted, for example, and the year it was minted, um, it can be used to verify the legitimacy of that banknote. And you can think of cryptocurrencies as digital equivalents um, of that technology on a basic level. And essentially they're a collection of letters and numbers that are stored on something called a blockchain. Um, now, what cryptocurrency technology allows us to do is essentially exchange value globally without the need for an intermediary. And that's all because of blockchain technology and the trust that it can enable. And so the crypto element comes through because blockchain technology essentially allows us to use cryptographic technology to secure information and exchange information um, whilst verifying that um, a transaction has happened um, on both sides. So, so that's that's it in a nutshell. The traditional cryptocurrencies, the ones which we're all going to be familiar with, are Bitcoin or BTC um, and Ethereum, which is also a main cryptocurrency. The ATO guidance, interestingly, um, talks about Bitcoin um, as its main kind of um, area of focus when it does talk about the guidance. So I think for the purpose of the, this podcast, we'll also talk about Bitcoin, um, but I think we should also jump into some other cryptocurrencies where relevant just to highlight the various tax issues. Um, and just going back on to blockchain. So you know, the definition of blockchain is that it's essentially a decentralized ledger that contains information on the transactions on the network since the beginning of time. And so you can think of it as a large accounting book with numerous debits and credits and every single transaction on the Bitcoin network can be traced on the blockchain. Once it's been um, implemented in the blockchain, it's very hard to remove. So um, essentially it's hard to fudge the numbers once a transaction has happened, which builds trust on the network. Mm. Yeah, one key point that I'm drawing from what you're talking about, of course, is that cryptocurrency is some of the means of exchange that is not regulated by the government and doesn't have a number that is issued by the government. Is that one way of viewing it? I think that's one way of viewing it. And yeah, it's something that governments in general across the world are catching on too fast. I think that's what makes this such an exciting space to talk about today and to be in because we're seeing regulations evolve around us on a, on a very reactive basis. Um, you know, technology has moved faster than the regulation can be um, implemented. Mm. 
So some of these expressions that you've used there, I mean, blockchain, you've described what that word is, and obviously it seems to be the, the basis upon which crypto is actually based. And without that, nothing really works. And then what it is, is a system, as you've described. Um, we've, we've got other, other expressions that might be used, decentralized finance, DeFi, anchor protocols, staking. Maybe you could just introduce us to a couple of those words so that we're clear yeah. when we're talking about these things. Yeah, sure. So, you know, aside from the traditional cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, which was initially implemented to be used as a currency, but perhaps is more used for investment purposes at the moment. Um, you know, NFTs is a big one at the moment. Um, NFT essentially stands for non-fungible tokens. Um, they're essentially a unique digital asset, which is tokenized on the blockchain. Um, and essentially tokenization is the process of converting something with value into a digital token, which can then be used on a blockchain application. Um, so everyone at the moment is, is looking at NFTs for digital artwork, um, which can be traced, ownership can be proved, it can be exchanged, sold, um, kept in digital wallets. Um, the key point there is that the NFT is, is non-fungible, so it's unique. You cannot replicate the same piece of art, for example. Um, everything must have um, a unique characteristics. Um, there's further use cases for NFTs than just arts. The technology is evolving. Um, you know, NFTs can be used for collectibles, sports moments. I know NBA have a large NFT collection called NBA Top Shots for those that are into sports. Uh, music is, is an evolving area where NFT is gaining prevalence. Gaming is also another key one. Um, if I just touch on DeFi, um, so mm. we just go back, back to the purpose of cryptocurrencies and blockchains. Essentially, it's a way of sidestepping existing financial and payment systems. So the blockchain technology itself allows us to build trust with people we may not otherwise exchange value with. Um, and so decentralized finance is essentially an evolving area um, using blockchain technology, which allows um, all sorts of peer-to-peer -peer financial transactions, which a traditional banking institution may, uh, may undertake. So peer-to-peer you know, -peer, peer lending comes to mind or... Um, you know, loaning out cryptocurrencies or digital assets for um, for interest reward, which could be much higher than a traditional bank at the moment, for example. So, so that's just touching very, very basically, I suppose, on on DeFi. And there are various protocols. You know, um, and and again, you know, when I was learning about decentralized finance, and still still very much am on on my learning journey in that space. Um, you, you know it's easy to just break it down into bits and understand different DeFi protocols, um, different ways of, of using uh, the technology. So for example, a big one now is, is Anchor Protocol, et cetera, which you know, we don't need to go into the details of now, but um, yeah, I think it, it's important to recognize that it's an evolving area and, and will be relevant for ATO guidance going forward. So DeFi, decentralized finance is something that extend, can extend beyond cryptocurrency, but is uh, a very, very much a, a part of the cryptocurrency world. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So it will allow real, you know, there'll be some real use cases there around exchanging 
um, exchanging loans, for example, or peer-to-peer -peer lending. Um, there'll be, you know, the, there'll be a lot of um, areas where we'll see it evolve going forward and essentially take functions that are similar to traditional banks at the moment. Um, mm. And so, so that that will allow us to exchange value without the use of of financial intermediaries, and that the crux of that comes to DeFi. Okay, so there's the word anchor protocols. Um, I wonder if if you could explain a little bit more about the the relevance of that as a terminology. Yeah, so that's just an example of a platform that allows people to. Uh, essentially um, exchange loan cryptocurrency and borrow cryptocurrency at exchange rates and uh, sorry at interest rates that will vary based on um, demand and supply for a particular coin so that's just one example of a lending and borrowing protocol um, yeah. there are many other different types out there yeah yeah and and staking just to be clear um, many people might know staking yes yeah. give a quick explanation of that one yeah, sure. So I suppose the way I'd describe that simply is where you're locking away a piece of your or crypto um, that that's tied up for a certain period of time, it doesn't have to be long. And in return for storing away that crypto, you may receive additional tokens or coins um, that that are newly minted essentially. So so um the relevance there is that there's different tax treatments which we'll go into. Um, but it's it's a way of essentially earning interest on on the existing cryptocurrency that you hold. And as part of old school terminology, I guess I'll also throw in uh, mining uh, Bitcoin, which is possibly not so relevant these days for uh, the ordinary uh, user. I don't think that's much of an issue. Do you see much of that still? Yeah, so I mean, Bitcoin network still still runs on on what we call a proof of work blockchain. Um, and you know, proof of work blockchains tend to have miners which are um, that are responsible for mining new blocks onto the blockchain. So essentially, new ledgers of information um, are added onto the blockchain, which is why it's called a chain because um, the, the the blocks essentially keep getting added, and um, the previous blocks get stored and cannot be changed. Um, so, you know, without going into too much detail, miners have to do work um, to ensure that um, transactions are valid and um, meet the consensus rules on a blockchain and in return miners may receive a reward in the form of cryptocurrency and that's how new coins may get minted although that is would normally be carried out at the larger end of the um, scale of operators yeah yeah, I think uh, Bitcoin is is the main one that comes to mind. Ethereum um, is is transitioning um, from 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 a mining um, blockchain to something called a proof of stake uh, blockchain, which will not involve miners per se, um, but 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 the mechanism is similar. So yeah, it does get complicated, as you can yeah. already tell. Yeah. Uh, well, it it. it it's good to be able to at least engage in some of this terminology. So um, if, as accountants, as tax advisors, we can perhaps engage with our clients when they come and talk to us in this language, we're going to be better off. Excellent. Much Absolutely. appreciated. So perhaps we should shift to the tax treatment of cryptocurrency um, and um, what perhaps the ATO might be saying about that. And um, how would you 
guide us in that regard, Danny, when we've got a client that's come in with a, with a large cryptocurrency gain and asking us about how they're going to be taxed on that. What, 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 are we, um, what, what possible rules could apply from a tax perspective? Yeah, that's a good question, Michael. I think I'd start by saying, well, firstly, the ATO have released some guidance on their view of tax treatments on cryptocurrencies in Australia. Um, that guidance was last mod modified at the end of March in 2020 uh, and um, focuses on Bitcoin, as I mentioned earlier. Now, when it comes to cryptocurrencies, there are lots of different ways that can be taxed. Um, I've, I've got a list of buckets here that I'll, that I'll run through, but I think the key message is, you know, at the moment and, and particularly going forward, this is an evolving space where there can be a lot of, you know, I mentioned DeFi earlier, there can be a lot of complexities that arise um, from, from blockchain technology, from cryptocurrencies, that the tax rules and the tax regime hasn't necessarily caught up with yet. Um, so I think it's important to recognize that it's a complex area, um, but as it stands, based on the ATO guidance and what we know, um, there, are, there are different ways it can be taxed. So let's, let's jump into that. So one is just normal capital gains tax. So gains would be taxable um, and, and losses can be, um, can be carried forward in quarantine, um, used against similar assets. So that's, that's the first way, um, it's just your bog standard capital gains tax um, held on capital account. Um, and the ATO talk about this using the existing capital gains tax regime for cryptocurrencies. Mm. And Which is I, a as a reminder to everybody, our CGT regime is a whole bunch of CGT events that will arise. We're all very familiar with that. And when you go to the cryptocurrency guidance from the ATO, it seems that that's exactly where they direct you from the outset. Um, on a cursory review of everything, they would, it would seem that these, these assets would simply be treated on as a capital asset and capital gains tax treatment. That's right. I think, and you know, a lot of the existing um, underlying legislation behind the guidance does refer back to um, back to old old. Um, legislation so you know i think i think it's an area that that may change going forward but as it stands yes very much using the existing framework so perhaps we should stop there um that's it cryptocurrency taxation treatment uh it's cgt no no no, no further <laughs> problems is, is that fair to say absolutely not so there's, <laughs> there's there's a long list to get through so i'll, I'll jump right through so um, the second second treatment essentially is a personal use asset. Now, a number of accountants may be familiar with this. Um, tax treatment is based on the threshold of cost, um, essentially ignore capital losses and gains less than $10,000. So um, personal use asset is something that the ATO do comment on in their cryptocurrency guidance. They give a few examples, I'd, I'd say vanilla examples um, of of where a cryptocurrency may be a personal use asset. Um, I would say maybe in practice, it's, it, it's probably rarer um, in terms of the way people are trading cryptocurrencies at the moment. It's, it's perhaps more of an investment focused area than, than you know, buying a concert ticket with um, cryptocurrency as, as the ATO example provides. Um, and so, you know, in, in theory, a cryptocurrency could be a personal use asset if you do go and purchase a concert ticket, for example, um, with cryptocurrency and um, the purchase event of that ticket is very close to when you bought that cryptocurrency in question. And so, yes, there's a few factors you have to consider and it can apply, um, may not be the most common 
common application, but something to be aware of. Mm. I guess it is hard to conceptualize these days, somebody buying crypto for personal use. You might've used it to buy a pizza some time ago, but I guess that is kind of rare these days. And your concert tickets, as you described. That's right. And you know, the, the pizza um, buying that he mentions is actually a famous event now. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mentioned it because I remember the same yeah, occurrence and I, I feel very, very sorry for the individual. Uh, that spent a million dollars or whatever he did on a pizza seven years ago. Well, um, I'm sure if they was it more than that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> multi-million dollars. Um, yeah, I guess that's one of the things. But perhaps the, the capital gains that um, that people make with cryptocurrency will bring tears to us accountants' eyes, but also the losses that people make uh, in the same vein. Um, okay, yeah. So that's interesting. So we've got cryptocurrency as a personal use asset, and we, we do see the ATO giving us guidance on that, although they didn't give us much guidance on it potentially being considered to be a personal use asset. It's more about it will not be considered a personal use asset if it's if it's an investment or a profit-making scheme or in the course of carrying on a business. If you do have an intention of making a profit out of the thing, you're generally going to be carved out of personal use asset. Um, although perhaps that's a good thing, right? Because we've got losses are disregarded completely if it is a personal use asset, um, whereas gains are only disregarded where the cost of the asset was less than $10,000, as we we're just talking about. So um, you, you perhaps you would want to be considering it to be a personal use asset if the gain was, um, you had a gain and you were less than $10,000 in cost. But on the other hand, if you were facing a loss, um, you would not want it to be considered to be a personal use asset. So interesting thoughts there and different um, perspectives that might might apply in that circumstances. Um, yeah, interesting. So of course, there's also the subset of collectibles, right? Um, I'm coming in here as a tax trainer and if I'm talking about personal use assets, I'll instantly al allude to the potential of these things. Personal use asset, assets being considered a collectible and a collectible does include an artwork and um, assets in relation to that artwork. So maybe an NFT could actually fall within collectible, but I don't see the ATO discussing any of that. Yeah, and it's a difficult area, especially with that one. Um, and you know, it comes back down to um, something you might hear me say a lot on this podcast, which is the facts and circumstances um, of holding the, the digital asset in question is gonna be key. Mm. Yeah, well, the definition of a collectible is, is in the legislation and it is, kind of prescriptive, it's a subset of personal use assets and we'll bring the loss back into play. You'll potentially be able to grab the loss, um, but um, we really don't have very much guidance on the potential of being treated an NFT being, or any other type of digital asset being treated as a collectible. Um, so you really be out on a limb there and I can't, yeah, it's difficult to provide guidance on that front. Um, so we've got normal CGT and you were talking about then if it could be a personal use asset. I diverted into the, uh, the red herring of a potential collectible. Back to the mainland, where do we go from there? Where else could it be treated? Yeah, so another familiar way it can be treated is on revenue account and essentially by carrying on a business or a trade. Um, here, same principles apply as normal 9711 tax ruling. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's um, you know, again, going back to facts and circumstances, you've got to be able to prove that you are carrying on a business in a business-like manner, um, and, and in that case, you can treat uh, your digital assets or cryptocurrencies on revenue account. Hmm. So I guess scale and regularity are the, probably the factors from 9711 that are 
possibly the most relevant, along with intention, uh, whatever evidence might lead to what your intention might have been. Um, and of course, we have to keep in mind that if there's a loss from that business, you would potentially be able to offset the losses against other revenue. So people might be very attracted by that concept, although we do have the non-commercial loss provisions that can deny us and you have to be meeting those tests in order to be able to be eligible to offset those losses against other income, uh, which we won't go into there. But okay, so it would be potentially beneficial for those that are in losses that it would be considered to be a business, they'd be making a loss uh, that would be able to be potentially used in that circumstance. Although of course we've got, if it's treated as a business, the revenue that is made from it will no longer be eligible for the 50% CGT discount. And that could be very significant for the person that walks in with a million dollar cap capital gain uh, that might be treated as a business um, on revenue account, that would be a much worse result. So we've got business. Then there's, I mean, I'm aware of Whitford's Beach, Meyer Emporium, isolated transactions with a view to profit. Um, and I pose the question, perhaps that could, that could apply. Um, we don't have any ATO guidance on that front though, do we? Um, Absolutely. And there isn't any specific guidance on this one, but it is an interesting point you raised because, you know, absolutely there's, there's previous, um, you know, previous case law on this and, you know, an isolated profit making transaction um, would, would typically be a revenue account um, item. Yeah, the issue again will be, how do you prove it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 certainly uncharted territory as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, I certainly haven't struck that argument being debated with the ATO. Um, yeah, and yeah. It's an interesting. Yeah, further consideration. Um, on yeah, further consideration, yeah, and just on the by the same token, another another way it could be taxed is is you know as a hobby. Hmm. And can you argue that? holding cryptocurrency or digital assets are a hobby. And you know, many people may say yes. Um, and certainly that doesn't come through in the ATO guidance at the moment. And it might be something that is considered by the taxation board of review going forward. But um, yeah, not sure what your thoughts are on that, Michael. But Well, uh, my thoughts are immediately, whenever we were, we're question whenever I'm questioning tax as a trainer, I'm, I'm often drawn to my own circumstances and they're amazingly relevant. In your circumstance, Danny, you started trading cryptocurrency for the purposes of learning what you were going, what, what, was, what it was all about. Absolutely. Could have that been considered to be a hobby at the outset? And in, or indeed, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually thinking out loud as well as whether the, if you were making losses, whether that could have been an expense incurred in, in gaining or producing accessible income and therefore deductible perhaps as a self-education expense or some such. Um, I'm, I'm out on a limb there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the onus will be on the taxpayer to, to make sure it's documented and, and mm. you, can, you can prove that it, that it was, was a hobby rather than an intention to make profit or you know, essentially just to, to, to you, you heard the news and, and, you know, mm. and the media hype, oh, Bitcoin's rising, let me just jump in. And yeah, you know, it's, it's, it, it's tricky, especially in the crypto space to kind of isolate these um, intentions when you, when you come to making the initial investment. Well, I guess the old adage um, applies with respect to hobbies that's always applied. And that is, 
if you're making a profit, then the ATO is probably going to consider it's not a hobby. If you're not making a profit, they would consider it a hobby. <laughs> That's all very convenient, but it does actually match with truth. Um, if you're losing money, then you're more likely to be doing it for the fun of it. If you're making money out of it, then perhaps it's less likely to be considered to be done for the fun of it. All right. Um, hobby um, is another potential treatment there. Anything further that might be in play? Yeah, so there's one other key um, key area that we should mention, which is just other ordinary income. So, you know, we mentioned staking before. Um, the ATO have actually specified that staking is, is essentially taxable on revenue account. Um, so you can have a scenario where you're holding a CGT asset um, like Ethereum. And if you, if you receive staking rewards um, during an income year, those staking rewards will be taxable as income. Hmm. All right. Now that's that's excellent. So I'm hearing here as a regroup on all of those potential treatments. It's the ATO, how they would fundamentally like you to treat, and that is normal CGT. It could be a personal use asset. I've thrown out their collectibles as a potential treatment of an NFT or potential uh, types of of digital um, assets, business being treated as a business being treated as an isolated profit-making transaction. The treatment is a hobby, but if it's on personal account and for the fun of it, then you've got ordinary revenue, which might be other tokens that are given for holding tokens, like any other normal dividend. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. that's a and lot I, of different treatments. It is. And, you know, I, I don't want to throw another one in the mix, but um, what, one thing that's probably relevant at this point is the ATO have come out and said that cryptocurrency is not considered as foreign currency. And essentially that means div division 775 um, doesn't apply. Yes. Which would of course put it back onto revenue account. So Perhaps though with over time there, their guidance was from uh, around eight years ago, I believe. And so maybe over time that might be a different scenario if the cryptocurrency becomes accepted by more governments. I wonder if that would actually lead to the conclusion that it is treated as foreign currency. Yeah, and we're certainly seeing um, a number of governments uh, now accept Bitcoin, for example, as national legal tender. Um, and so, you know, as that evolves, perhaps, um, but I, I don't think we're at that stage yet no or, yeah um, and i guess you'd like to think that the board of tax will come up with a recommended uh, whole new approach to crypto that would would apply before we'd actually have to answer that answer that question absolutely yeah yeah all right that's a, that's a lot of different treatments of course we'd have to consider when our client walks in with this gain um we're keeping all of those potential treatments in mind now what about timing when is it likely to be a taxable event? We're talking about CGT revenue. Yeah, this is really important because it, it often comes as a surprise when dealing in cryptocurrencies uh, becomes a taxable event. So I think we've we've made it clear that if you're holding cryptocurrency, you are um, likely to have to consider um, your tax obligations. Um, so some of the key taxable events that may occur. So simple one first when you're selling cryptocurrencies um that is essentially triggering a disposal event which may be taxable um 
gifting cryptocurrencies. So, you know, Michael, if I'm feeling generous and I throw you um, a Bitcoin, I uh, I will essentially be um, looking at the market value of that on disposal. Um, trading and exchanging cryptocurrencies. So this is often one that um, people think is not taxable, but in, in fact is. Um, and I think it's an issue, you know, in, in, in the crypto space as well, because of the way people treat cryptocurrencies. So for example, if you transfer um, a Bitcoin holding straight to Ethereum equivalent, um, that will be treated as a taxable event. And you will have to consider whether you made on the Bitcoin made a gain on the Bitcoin um, at that point in time. Um, and essentially when you purchase the Ethereum, what the market value is at that time and, and keep records of that. Um, people, people trade um, on, on exchanges seamlessly now in the crypto space. So, you know, that transaction would, would often be in a click of a button. The other thing to consider is, um, and this is one buzzword that we probably haven't um, defined yet, but um, a lot of people now use what's called stable coins, which essentially is a digital currency that's pegged to the value of a fiat currency, um, perhaps so like the US dollar, um, which can be, you know, USDT, there's USDC as well, which is an example of a stable coin. Um, transfers in and out of stable coins are taxable events. So even though you may think of them as just holding regular US dollars or Australian dollars, um, the ATO will see that as a cryptocurrency and essentially as a CGT asset. So mm -hmm. something to consider really important, trading or exchanging crypto is a tax consideration. Mm. Yeah, well, I believe I recall seeing them in the uh, in the press recently, those uh, those pegged uh, systems and haven't necessarily done very well recently. But uh, so, yeah, interesting. And so, yes, you should be treating those as a normal CGT asset. Don't be thinking of it as a foreign currency when taxed under Div 775. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, another one is just your know, conversion in from cryptocurrencies to fiat currencies. So fiat currencies being like Australian dollars, AUD or US dollars. Um, if you convert your Bitcoin, for example, into AUD, you're essentially um, triggering a taxable event or you need to consider whether you have um, made a gain or loss on yeah. transactions. It interests me. Um, I mean, I, with CGT, once we're in the CGT regime, of course, you need to deal with all of those CGT events, which is um, you know, diabolical. You've got all of the different potential applications of those CGT events from a legislative perspective. It's, it's a lot harder than simply its revenue, according to our normal concepts and timing from, from that perspective, although that can be a little bit more vague. Perhaps CGT is more prescriptive, so in some ways it's easier in that regard. But either way, I mean, the big thing about crypto is, is that it's so easy to do. You're just smashing keys late at night, as you were just describing, and that's creating all of these CGT events. Um, uh, and, and, and indeed, the amount of transactions that you're running into can have an impact on whether you're operating a business or um, and, and would be treated on revenue account. So this ability to be able to smash keys late at night, really easy. Um, perhaps that might mean hey, you've got a nightmare of CGT events if, it's, if you're dealing with CGT. It might mean that you're brought into 
revenue more likely because of the fact you've such you've got such repetitive transactions that are going on, even potentially on a daily basis without too much time. Um, but perhaps the ability, ease of which you can transact these things make it more likely to be considered a hobby as well. Um, in that it doesn't actually take up much much of your time to be doing a lot of transactions. It's a really interesting point because we got to think about the way in which people are using cryptocurrencies at the moment. And when I think of Bitcoin, you know, the Bitcoin white paper when it when it was released essentially um, was designed as a as a modern payment system and you know a way after the financial crisis. Um, to essentially have a currency without the need for financial intermediaries like banks, uh, where people can exchange value um, seamlessly across the world. Now, in, in actual fact, um, Bitcoin now is, is, is mostly used as a store of value. Um, and you know, the, the, the way people are trading um, and investing may evolve over time, particularly as technology um, and innovation continues. Mm. One, one other um, point I'd like to mention um, is spending cryptocurrency as well is a taxable uh, event. So, you know, I'm seeing products like crypto credit cards or debit cards out there, which are linked to um, your crypto balance. Um, you know, if you're tapping away for a coffee um, and and thinking, oh, I'll just spend it on my crypto, which I've made a nice gain on, um, well, you're actually going to be triggering a taxable event if, if you are sitting on a gain. Um, so something to consider there, if anyone has a crypto card, um, that essentially need to be keeping records. And, you know, it ties back to... Um, you know, all these taxable events um, essentially mean that taxpayers need to think about keeping really detailed records um, on your purchase, sale, transactions, market values um, of all the various coins. If you're using stable coin, um, your transfers in and out, essentially. Um, and, and so there, there really is a lot to think about. Yeah, that's, that's a very important point you just made there spending your crypto, creating all of those CGT events, you can very easily imagine somebody creating a nightmare for themselves with a daily trading like I was talking about and combine that with your purchases of coffee, et cetera, on your crypto. Um, that could be a nightmare for a tax agent to advise on. And I guess a lot of people purely think, think of these things as like a net profit. You know, they've put it into a, they've put in a, a certain sum into this, plan that they've got and they just think that they've they've ended up with so much money at the end of the day netting it all off in their own mind where this underlying um underlying all of the pressing of buttons that they've done there's a lot of transactions that have occurred and so you can't be thinking of this as an amount that you've put away into crypto and some different platforms and and that it would be um simply a net amount of money that you've made as a profit that would be treated as taxable. You could have losses and gains and uh, potentially some discounted, some not. Uh, and a lot of different, every single CGT event needs to be considered separately. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Very interesting. So we have to be very careful of timing. So this is basically a tax nightmare from the purpose of what are the different buckets, the different tax treatments that it could fall within and timing um, is also a big warning, particularly when we're treating these things as a CGT asset, because all these different events could be could be occurring. 
Um, I guess we should touch on different types of holders. We've got individuals that might be holding these assets. You might have various different entities. Um, do you have any you know, recommendations there? I guess with an individual, you're more likely to be considered a hobby. Uh, but if in the exclusion of that, um, you're eligible for a CGT discount, so a company would not be. And most people I imagine would be just simply investing on an individual level. Um, super funds also, I guess, come into the play there as a potential investor. Yeah, absolutely. And you, know, you mentioned the CGT discount there. I think that's very relevant. If you're holding your crypto asset and you've held um, for 12 months or more, you will get that 50% um, CGT discount. Yeah. Probably um, what's relevant as well is, you know, at the moment we're, we're um, in, a, in a bit of economic turmoil and the crypto markets have taken a bit of a hit. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people may be sitting out there with large losses and wondering what to do. And, you know, the key point there is, you know, if it's taxable on capital account, um, you are able to recognize those losses and harvest those losses. Um, and that's a consideration that taxpayers should make. Yes, really good point. Um, we should be considering a capital account, then we need to be uh, looking at whether any losses could be triggered. Of course, we have to be mindful of the, uh, the wash sale provisions that might deny us there, but uh, the absence of that applying and uh, it is simply disposing of a uh, of a loss asset. You're not reacquiring that asset within a reason within some of the period of time that is that is um, close to that. Then we sh you should certainly be considering selling um, and realizing some capital capital losses. So. Really, there's probably a lot of questions we need to be asking our clients what, um, when, the, when they've come in and they've said, I've got a million dollar gain or I've got a million dollar loss, more to, perhaps more to the point, um, that we need to be asking our quest questions of our clients about. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, maybe even before that is just understanding, you know, the intentions of, of um, the cryptocurrency holder when, when they made the investment initially. Mm. Um, were they carrying it on as a business? Were they carrying it on in, in a business-like manner? Um, and, you know, there's varying degrees to which which those um, categories that we ran through can apply. So it really, really is important for accountants to collect the information um, that's relevant. Contemporaneously, I guess. So, I mean, that's, that's going to be much more important if your intention becomes so relevant because... Um, issues of repetitive or regularity of trade is, is so easy uh, that um, it might not be as relevant for the existence of a business or not. The importance of, of intention might lead to the fact that there's an importance of documenting this on a contemporaneous basis. Because how, how else are you going to prove what your, what your intention was at the time unless it was recorded and documented? Absolutely. So us as accountants, we should be asking that question of our clients as they're investing in it, not as they're potentially making the gain or loss at a later point in time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, in the rush for tax return season, that, 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 that point might be too late. It's, it's really important to, to consider it on a contemporary, contemporaneous basis. Mm. Perhaps I should divert now to some other issues that can go along with cryptocurrency. Um, we've had some devastating stories of people that have, lost their passwords. I heard of somebody having it uh, stuffed in a, uh, a, a fishing rod that was stolen, um, a code, and he'd lost some 
tens of millions of dollars that were apparently in a in, in, stashed inside a fishing rod. Um, you know, what 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 issues do we have to consider there when we've we've lost our um, our codes, etc.? And what other what other circumstances can arise for crypto in a similar vein? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, you know, if we just go back to um, the whole concept of um, what crypto can offer, and you know, we mentioned DeFi as well. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of it is about bringing the onus of responsibility onto the holder of the asset. And you know, if if, if you're going to have a mechanism in which financial institutions are, are essentially sidestepped, then um, the responsibility lays with the individual. And so there can be a number of issues that arise when you lose, when you lose your private keys, for example, your passwords to your cryptocurrencies. You know, even just on a non-tax level, you can't get your asset back. Um, but but on a tax level as well, because you'll have to then prove that you've made perhaps a capital loss. And 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 you know, the ATO have actually alluded to this in their guidance that. Yeah, they'll have to have to document um, all the specific factors and circumstances relevant to be able to prove that you genuinely incurred a capital loss. Mm. Uh, yeah, so so it's very very relevant to think about, and I think the key message there as well is is to um, if if you are going to um, jump into the crypto spaces, understand that that is the um, that is essentially the overarching intention of of crypto assets and. And so um, making sure that there's responsible management around wallets, passwords, et cetera, it, it is important. Um, and also protecting yourself against hacks and scams um, and the like, um, which can occur in this space, as we know. Mm. Well, I guess yeah, that's really relevant, that important to note. Like you say, the, this is not being managed by organizations. It can be difficult to say this is yours um the ability to hide your money in crypto works the other way if you're trying to claim a loss then your, your evidence is going to be slim i guess you need to be proving your capital your cost base and also the the output side uh, there's there's two different sides to it um so from your cost base side i guess going back to your original source of funds is going to be critical because it it might be difficult to prove that that is your uh, crypto based on just the crypto itself um you need a bank account, you know, to be really referring to the, the, the cost that you had there originally. Yeah, and, and actually, it's probably worth touching on at this point, a common myth in the crypto space, which is you can hide your assets and um, capital on a, on a blockchain or on the, using cryptocurrencies. Yeah, I mentioned blockchain earlier. Well, the whole concept of blockchain is everything can be traceable. So even though an individual's um, identity uh, and real names, et cetera, may not be on the blockchain. Um, the transactions that they make and the wallet addresses that they link to their accounts can be traced um, on, a, on a public ledger, essentially. And so um, it's definitely a common misconception to think that people can you know, hide their assets um, and also you know, hide assets for tax purposes as well, because it's something that is completely traceable. Yeah, that's a really significant point. Um, yes, it's um, there's a lot of different ways in which the uh, the tax office has has eyes, and, and it's not as though crypto is completely um, completely hidden. Uh, and I guess it's it can be 
difficult to prove on the on the flip side you've got that cost side of things uh the 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 loss of that asset i know that to trigger your capital capital loss at the end of uh the loss of an asset for instance a share requires certain uh, evidence uh, such as a liquidator providing the evidence that's the, a comment that you're not going to be getting any return from these these shares um almost like not wanting to open the floodgates they're making sure that there is actually something definitive that shows that 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 asset has been lost but with crypto it might be difficult to show you you would never be able to argue that i've lost the key you're always going to be able to potentially find it that doesn't necessarily trigger your cgt event does it yeah absolutely and it's it's actually interesting because there's there's numerous stories that people have lost their passwords to bitcoin wallets and um, you know, there's there's a whole list of analytics that goes on in the background. Some of it's called on-chain metrics, um, which track you know large holdings of 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 cryptocurrencies, in particular wallets, and whether the wallets have moved and whether people have logged on to those wallets and activated them, or whether they're being kept in 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 hibernation or, or dormant state. So, um, all very relevant considerations, I'm sure. Mm. And uh, that leads straight into the point, I guess, that the ATO has been announcing quite recently that it is a very key focus for them this tax year. And they'll certainly be looking out for it. Absolutely. So the ATO did actually come out and say one of their four key priority areas this tax time is crypto. Um, so, you know, they, they've called it early. Um, I think they're aware that, you know, there may be some of these misconceptions out there in the crypto space uh, and i think they want to crack down on it early mm. yeah well they've certainly made that clear it's one of the very few focus areas that is that are new every other every year we have the same focus areas but cryptocurrency is certainly drawing i think a lot more attention recently in reality and i guess we've been talking a lot of, a lot of doom and gloom here um i guess one of the benefits of investing through your crypto on these platforms is is that you do have a nice record of your transactions so hopefully despite the fact that it might be a little bit complicated all the information is there and we can just produce that for the ato right yeah well it could be a little bit more complicated than that michael on average you know data from coinly actually shows that people trading in cryptocurrencies generally have you know around three to five wallets or integrations and so typically what we find in this space is investors aren't just investing using one platform um, and trading um, their cryptocurrencies on it and holding it in that platform like a bank account um, a lot of investors choose to move their cryptocurrencies into storage solutions, so um, wallets, and there's various types of wallets out there, um, and you know they have various degrees of of um, functionality. But the idea is that you want to ensure that your crypto is safe from hackers, and you can access it at any time you need to. So um, a lot of people move crypto off exchanges into wallets um and you know what that means is people have crypto in in different areas there may be some on an exchange there may be some in various wallets you may be staking some crypto which needs to be in a particular wallet um, and so on 
And so actually getting a list of these transactions and records and timing, et cetera, is, is generally very difficult uh, to do. And so um, you know, the message to accountants is to make sure that there are proper records out there. Um, the ATO do allow um, software um, tracking trackers, essentially like Coinly, to, to, to help with that data aggregation and pulling data from various integrations, various wallets and exchanges. Um, but, but the key message is for accountants to just be aware that the manner in which people trade is, is not so simple as just having um, crypto in, in one exchange. And, you know, in many cases, in many early investors, it may be, um, and, and, and that's great, that, but um, um, often it's not, and it's just something to be aware of. Mm. So I guess our message is the ATO is going to be looking at us. Don't try to hide. <laughs> and forget that and try to imagine that they might forget or not or ignore it get a good tracker make sure that you're collecting all of the information and at least you've got access to all of this information be trying to be limiting your amount of transactions and don't being don't being crazy and creating situations for yourself that create an impossible tax situation um yeah and if you if you're thinking that you can just be considering yourself to be a hobby and then perhaps dedicating that asset into a trading stock at some later point in time when it's at a high value and then claiming the loss at a at a future point in time you're going to have to want a very good want to have a very good arguable position um, and the ato is not going to be very happy about that they would like to be considering everything to be on cgt account and i guess that means that they'll be able to get access to the 50% discount, the APO is happy to accept that because perhaps people are more likely to come forward if they've got the 50% discount and actually disclose it and going to the detection risk earlier. Um, we, we're highlighting the fact that the detection risk is actually possibly a lot higher than we than, than people might imagine, right? So, um, yeah. Yeah, and on that, it's also worth mentioning that, um, you know, a lot of the exchanges in Australia particularly are regulated now. And that means when you do um, buy and sell crypto or exchange fiat currency into crypto using one of these exchanges, you generally have to go through a um, compliance process and upload ID um, and your full name, et cetera. And so um, your, your records are, are, are there and, and can be traceable. So we have the board of tax that's um, going to be looking at all of this and is supposedly going to come up with some miraculous solution that's going to um, solve the, the, the taxation of crypto. We hope they've been listening to this tax yak and <laughs> pick up on some of the issues that we're highlighting. Um, any, any last thoughts there, Danny, on, on how things are moving forward with taxation and also how things are moving forward with crypto itself? Yeah, I think it's interesting because um, yeah, the current guidance very much fits with an existing CGT regime predominantly um, into an area that's just growing far beyond um, what the existing tax system was, was designed for. And I, I think this is recognised to an extent um, by, the, by the review board. Um, and you know, they've, they've come out and said that end of 2022 is when there will be um, some further information on, um, on tax treatment and guidance around cryptocurrencies, which will be really interesting to look at. We've covered maybe just 
uh, you know, a small portion of the issues that can arise. Um, and, you know, we haven't really got into companies or institutions yet, uh, or, you know, self-managed super funds, for example. And so th th there's a lot of complexity in this area, which just requires, um, uh, you know, thought for how do we change the tax system in the future? And it's something that the OECD are looking at on, on a global level as well. Um, and they're looking at something called the crypto asset reporting framework, which is going to um, look to standardize um, you know, jurisdictional tax reporting in the crypto space. Um, and I'm keenly looking at what evolves from, from that guidance as well. Um, I think aside from that, in general, regulation is just going to um, continue to evolve and increase. You know, it's currently a space that perhaps isn't as regulated as your, your traditional financial instruments or shares, for example. So, so I think watch this space because we will see further regulation um, in general as well. No doubt. Thank you so much for joining me, Danny. That was extremely illuminating for me, and I hope it was for everybody else that's been listening. And to everybody out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Tax Yak. I've been chatting with Danny Talwar from Coinly, and I know a lot more now about crypto and digital assets before we started. If you'd like to connect with us on social media, you can find Tax Banner on LinkedIn and Twitter. Let us know your take on episodes or suggest future topics or speakers. You can also get onto the TaxYak team on email podcast at taxbander.com.au and find our regular blog, blog articles at taxbander.com.au slash banter dash blog. If you've enjoyed our web, our podcasts, please take a moment to rate and write a review for the show wherever you are. It'll help us improve the profile of the show and we'd love to hear your thoughts. We look forward to you joining us next time. Thank you. Thank you.